Welcome everyone to the Purposely Thriving Podcast, where we are growing, evolving, and becoming into our highest self in every area of our lives so that we are able to live authentically and whole as we step into a new chapter. I am your host, Tanya Carter, and thank you for joining and tuning in with me this week. At the top of the year, there's this peak of divorce inquiries, right? Um, And this could be where people may tend to file for divorce or people examining divorce options. And from the outside looking in, because it's at the top of the year, it looks like this could be an overnight decision off of this adrenaline of the new year, new me hype. However, I find that that's hardly the case. Um, Typically what I find is that the decision to dissolve has already been made from a mental and emotional perspective. However, actively moving on that decision is delayed for various reasons, okay? Now, one of those reasons why people tend to wait at the top of the year is because they wanna get through the holiday season. They don't want to disrupt the holiday season when family is involved. They don't want to make the holiday season unpleasant for the kids. They don't want to interrupt certain holiday traditions. So to minimize the chaos, they're just going to put on a brave face and push through. And then at the top of the year, move forward. Another reason can be for financial reasons. Um, Sometimes making the decision to dissolve at the top of the year is more of a strategic financial choice where this can avoid any interference with filing jointly one last time, right? Because there are some tax benefits there and people tend to wait because of that. Also, when it comes to the financial piece of it all, at the top of the year, most likely you have the most recent up-to-date financial information like pay stubs, investment account statements, all these different things which helps with the valuation of assets. Because if couples decide to divorce, this could potentially move the process more smoothly. Right. Of course, there are other things you have to factor in, but this could be beneficial. Another reason why people may wait to the top of the year is because the holidays could be the tipping point. Okay, because for many, they may want to try one last time. They may want to attempt to strengthen their bond with their family and and with one another. Because when you think about it, the holiday season is known for togetherness. However, What a marriage has been in trouble for a while, the issues are still there. The friction is still there. The tension is still there. And when a couple already has those intense marital issues, they they tend to magnify. And the existing problems that are already there compound. And a big fight or a strained family gathering can just really become the breaking point. Another reason why people tend to wait at the top of the year is because many do reflect on their lives. And I'm not referring to just the current year when I'm referring to reflection. They tend to reflect on previous years. And from that, there's examination on different areas of their lives. And one of those areas is their marriage. They could be reflecting on maybe the growth of it or I would say the lack thereof. Do we align in our values or have we ever aligned? Are we tolerating one another at this point? 
is there any more fight left? And when I say fight, I'm referring to the ability to want to make it work. Is there any more of that left to really give it another chance? Or better yet, why are we here? Or why am I really here? And when it comes to women, studies indicate that they tend to initiate divorce more than men. And according to statistics, more than two thirds of all divorces are filed by women. Seven in 10 marriage dissolutions are initiated by women. And so that's around 70% of divorces being initiated by women. And the question is why? Why is this? And, and I wanted to give some reasons behind this because I see people talk about this a lot. However, I see it being talked about it in a way where it becomes a battle of the genders. And when that's the case, they will always do whatever it takes to hit below the belt only to prove their level of logic, which it, which it actually doesn't help us as a whole. And because I work with women specifically, whether that be a client, those who tune into the podcast, those who email me, those who reach out to me in the DMs to confide in me, to even those I know up close and personal. I'm going to tell you something. I see similar reasons. Now, is this to say that these are all the reasons and the only reasons for every single woman who initiates divorce? Absolutely not. Okay, because every woman's decision to dissolve is not driven by the same factors. You know, when it comes to choosing to initiate divorce, this choice is often multifaceted and influenced by various underlying reasons. And so here's what I'm not doing today. What I'm not doing today is saying the reasons that I'm going to give are universal. And these are the only reasons that every woman has when deciding to divorce, because that's inaccurate. However, what I am doing today is shedding some light on the top four reasons why women divorce based on the patterns that I continue to observe. Okay. And I just want to be very clear. All right. And I'm going to go through four reasons. The first reason why women tend to initiate divorce more is due to the lack of commitment they receive from their spouse. Okay. That's number one. Number one is due to the lack of commitment they receive from their spouse. Being committed in a marriage is defined as loyalty to one another, right? So when you are committed in a marriage, that means you are dedicated, you're devoted. There's a a bond. There's a level of attentiveness when it comes to being committed. Okay. And this commitment should be a mutual responsibility that both individuals should strive to uphold. However, when one person is substantially more committed than the other, the marriage gets compromised. And over time, this results in a high level of relational suffering. Because during this time, the person who's more committed attempts to do all they can to gain the other person's commitment in hopes of getting some level of reciprocity. However, 
that normally doesn't make a person committed. All it really does is create exhaustion for the committed person. Not to mention that the less committed person could also feel overwhelmed because this marriage needs or wants more than they're willing to give. And so what this ends up creating, it results in being a lose-lose situation for both people because no relational goals are actually being met. And here's the thing about lack of commitment. Lack of commitment tends to open up temptation, which leads to things such as infidelity. Because here's the thing, when one person isn't committed, they don't feel responsible to work on their marriage. They don't invest the work to fix the issues. And when they don't invest the work to fix the issues, there's no room to correct and create a new path for the marriage to thrive because their heart's not in it. And when that becomes the norm, conflict intensifies. The intimacy dies. You disregard your spouse's feelings and needs. Resentment builds. Stress increases. The security and safety of the marriage remains questionable which can and will ultimately over time lead to divorce. So here's what I'm trying to say about this. We're we're talking about things that are constantly happening, not something that's happening one or two times. We're talking about lack of commitment in terms of it being a constant thing. Okay. And so that's the first thing. That's one of the reasons why women tend to initiate divorce more is due to the lack of commitment they receive from their spouse, all right? The second reason why women tend to initiate divorce more is due to chronic unmet relational needs. And that's the second one. The second one is chronic unmet relational needs, all right? Heavy on the word chronic because These needs that are not being met have been constant. They've been long-term and they've been continuing unmet needs. And leaving these needs unmet leads to a growing marital dissatisfaction. And those unmet needs can look like several different things. And I'm going to give you all like three different types of unmet needs, okay? One of those unmet needs can look like an unequal effort of family commitment, okay? And that can be things such as quality time, sharing the load at home, right? Because in a lot of cases, you have both individuals working outside of the home. However, if one person is still primarily responsible for all the domestic duties at home, for all the child responsibilities at home, that puts more on a person's plate. So there's no harmonization of shared responsibilities and that can cause them to feel like they're doing more of the heavy lifting. And you can also somewhat already feel like you're single, almost like you're a single parent because of the load that you're carrying. And so you actually start to feel more held back as opposed to feeling like you're moving forward by being in this marriage because all your energy is gone from being in a marital dynamic such as this. And that develops resentment, frustration. You also feel drained. And here's the thing. 
you don't even rely on him as much at this point. And you know what else happens? It also causes her to lose respect for her spouse. You may love them, but you may not necessarily respect them as much. Another unmet need can look like feeling unheard. That can be another chronic relational unmet need is feeling unheard. When it comes to communication, or I would better yet say effective communication, that really is a cornerstone in a healthy marriage. And what tends to happen is that when you're with someone who doesn't possess the communication skills and isn't interested in even developing those communication skills, that communication becomes strained. And what this tends to create is frequent misunderstandings, unresolved conflicts, rejection, disregard, and invalidation of a person's feelings. You feel like you're carrying more of the emotional burden as well as a lack of emotional connection. And those feelings of not being heard develops isolation and emotional distance. So this emotional disconnect can either lead someone to receive this validation outside of their marriage, or it can lead someone to leave their marriage. Another example of an unmet relational need is lack of support and appreciation. What I tend to find in today's climate is that women want more. You know, they they desire more for themselves in terms of their individuality. And that can look different for any woman, right? Um, Maybe that looks like going back to school. Maybe that looks like starting that business or maybe pursuing career advancement to even a level of personal growth that they want to achieve. And unfortunately, their aspirations may not always be as supported. And when you don't feel like you have that support, it could cause the other person to feel stagnant, right? Because when there's a level of friction where your spouse really isn't supportive, you may find yourself not going after what it is that you desire to do. And what that can create outside of stagnation is you also may feel a sense of being held back from your own personal growth. And over time, that can actually cause a lot of tension as well as friction. And I also, and let me also add this too, in regards to the stay at home mother, because I think sometimes stay at home moms don't get a lot of love, right? They get overlooked. Their duties around the house get minimized. And when it comes to the stay-at-home mom, and and shout out to, to all of you, they are primarily responsible for the operations of the entire family. And that's a lot of work, right? And that work can easily go unnoticed. It can easily go unappreciated. It can be taken for granted. It can also be a level of high criticism about everything they do as if anything they do is never good enough. So when that need of not feeling like you're never supported, right? We're talking about never supported, never appreciated in anything that you do, you start to question, well, why am I here? Okay. And so that's the second reason that I find that the second reason 
why women tend to initiate divorce more is due to chronic unmet relational needs. Okay. The third reason that I tend to find in regards to women initiating divorce more is emotional abuse. That's the third one. The third one is emotional abuse. Now, I'm very aware that there are various types of abuse that people encounter. However, I think what gets overlooked when thinking about abuse is emotional abuse. Because emotional abuse is one of those types of abuses that is not as easily identifiable. Because this form of abuse isn't as visible like physical abuse. You know what I'm saying? Because physical abuse, you actually can physically see. Emotional abuse is more psychological and it starts small and then it progresses over time. And this is a type of abuse that grows and intensifies. Okay. We're talking about constant criticism where you're constantly being degraded, name calling, gaslighting, control and manipulation, blaming you for everything that goes wrong in their life. So that's, so guess what that does? It doesn't allow them to take accountability. And here's the thing. A person who's emotionally abusive may not necessarily be diagnosed with a narcissistic personality disorder. However, they do carry a high range of narcissistic traits. This person can be very passive aggressive. They humiliate you. They're very unpredictable. They're hot and cold. They stonewall you. And you may even find yourself apologizing for everything because you've been manipulated to think that it's always on you. And here's the thing. Historically, a lot of women didn't leave marital dynamics such as these. From a historical perspective, they didn't because there was a high dependency on being provided for, even if the behavior they got at home was negligent and abusive because they felt like they didn't have any other choice from lack of education, lack of resources, to even lack of support, not to mention that divorce back in the day was extremely stigmatized as a societal taboo. And so that actually brings a lot of judgment and disapproval right off the gate. So what happens is instead of me being judged, instead of me being disapproved, instead of me going through a divorce, knowing that I don't have any other options, let me avoid this shame and humiliation and just accept the poor treatment. However, that's not the case anymore, right? Women now don't feel as hostage to stay in an unsafe dynamic because they have more opportunities now. They have access to more resources now. And so exiting out of a marriage that's impacting their quality of life is now an option for them to do. And so this need to tolerate consistent, unacceptable behavior is diminishing, right? And so that's the third reason on what I tend to find on why women tend to initiate divorce more is because their marital dynamic is very heavy with emotional abuse. Okay. Now the fourth one, and I'm not going to lie. I saved this one for last on purpose because I find that this one might be a little bit unconventional, could be a little controversial, However, as I mentioned before, 
these four reasons that I'm giving is based on what I see from a similarity perspective. Okay. And so the fourth one on why women tend to initiate divorce more is because their marriage was never a union they should have entered into. And that's the fourth one. The fourth one is their marriage was never a union they should have entered into. Okay. When we talk about marriage and when it tends to be directed to women, it's almost as if marriage is the ultimate achievement for women to uphold. Okay. As if your worth is exclusively rooted in only being married. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if you're if you aren't married by this time, then something is wrong with you. If you're single, you're constantly questioned as to why you are. You're told that you're going to die alone. Society, family, to even religious organizations can instill a level of unhealthy influence. And let's just say prior to a person being married or prior to a woman being married and they're in this relationship with this individual, they can even see things that aren't right. And it's not because they're seeking perfection. It's more of your discernment that's nudging at you because it's trying to tell you that this is a red flag that you don't want to dismiss. However, if you are operating on the fact that your worth is exclusively rooted in being married, you will overlook all of those flags and you will ignore your discernment because what you're doing is you're thinking about your age. You're thinking about the time you invested. You're thinking about everyone telling you that something is wrong with you because you're still single. Or you also could be telling yourself, my clock is ticking, so I got to take what I can get. And what happens is you move out of pressure. And when you move out of that kind of pressure, you will always marry prematurely. Now, Here's what I'm not saying. This is not saying that the person that you married was a bad person or isn't a good person. You just knew deep down that this wasn't the right person to marry. However, despite the discernment that you have, the pressure of being married outweighs your discernment. And what that does is that it causes you to do it anyway. Attempting to convince yourself that it will work only to be disappointed in yourself because you knew from the start that it wouldn't. So those things you saw prior to being married magnified in the marriage. Those questions that never got asked because you feared rejection are now being confronted. And as those answers unfold, it reveals those cracks in the foundation of a marriage that should never have been. And I'm going to be honest, right? If I can be honest, I think it's hard to awaken to this particular one. Because admitting that is also taking accountability and responsibility for your choices. And accountability can be kryptonite for many because it's actually easier to live in denial. However, 
one of the things that I encourage about anything, especially when you're talking about thriving and moving forward, is radical honesty. I encourage radical honesty as you unpack things because you learn a lot about yourself. Like, why did I really do this? Knowing that there was a huge part of me that knew not to. You know, like, if I would have silenced the noise about how old I was, the fact that I'm single, that I'm going to die alone, my biological clock is ticking, the time I've invested, to even my family and friends pressuring me. If I would have muted that noise, would my choice have been different? And the reason why this is so important is because marriage can be imposed on women. And understanding the underlying motivations helps break free from societal expectations. Now, I also want to add this because I got to add this all the time. I'm not here to say that marriage isn't something that people shouldn't desire. This actually, this point actually has nothing to do with that. However, what this does have to do with is getting clear on why you want it and what's influencing that. Right. And so that's very, very important. And so these were my four top reasons. And before I close out, I want to say this in doing this episode today, One of the things that I don't want to give the impression of is saying that all men are bad men and everything is their fault. That is not the goal of this episode. In the work that I do, I hear people talk about women initiating divorce, but I hear it on a very surface level. And that surface level can really create a battle of the genders. And when you really want to help people, The goal is to really bring more clarity and context to things. And in doing this work for about maybe six or seven years, I hear a lot of the same patterns. I hear a lot of the same things. But even in hearing that, this doesn't discount that both people need to be equally responsible for themselves. That's extremely important in anything that we do. And so I just wanted to clarify that and share that because my ultimate goal here is for people to really heighten their perspective and gain a deeper understanding on anything. And if we ever want to grow and thrive and evolve, one must be able to see it that way. All right. So please make sure that you are following me on my social media handles. My Instagram is I am Tanya Carter. My Facebook and YouTube is Tanya Carter. I will put the link down in the show notes. And also please make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so that you can receive notifications on when the next podcast will drop. And also leave me a review. Okay. If you know that this podcast has been very beneficial in your next chapter after your divorce, or even after your breakup, please head over to Spotify and or iTunes to leave me a review. And last, but definitely not least, share this information. If you know someone who can benefit from this episode or even any of my previous episodes that you've listened to, then please share it to them so that it may be a blessing for them. All right. So thank you all again for tuning in with me this week. You all have a wonderful and an amazing week and I will see you next time. (music) 